What up, what up? Welcome into a new edition of Green with Envy. As always, this is your boy Will Weir checking in. How you doing? How you living? And making his triumphant return from the DL, <laughs> my best friend, co-host, coach of the podcast, the one and only Greg Menakis. How you feeling, buddy? I'm feeling a little bit better. Uh, this is, what, day nine of symptoms for me of the flu. So I didn't have COVID, but I have the flu. Uh, so I thank you for... Being able to do the pod with Adam, that was a good pod, good listen. Uh, dude, it, it flu stinks. The flu stinks. Yeah. It's really hard to get over it. I'm like really dizzy all the time. So <laughs> I, I went into the office on Tuesday and I had to leave because I just got super dizzy. I could barely make the drive home. Uh, it was just rough, but I'm, I'm back. I'm healthy. Excited for this pod. Yeah, man. I mean, it's going around out there. I was dealing with a little bit of symptoms uh, earlier in the week as well. So, you know, definitely feel for you. Shout out to our guy, our podcast and cousin, Adam Taylor, for filling in. Loved having him back here. It was really good uh, to chop it up with him. You know, so a couple of programming notes here, and then we'll get into whatever the hell's going on. We'll we'll dissect it. <laughs> we'll do our best to, to try to explain it to y'all. Uh, but this is a pretty exciting podcast. So on the second half of this podcast, from the Ringer, from the Ryan Rosillo podcast, the guy who's become uh, a pretty good friend of Greg and I's in the in the media landscape, Steve Cerruti, is going to join us. We're going to preview the Celtics and Bucks, but we're also going to touch on kind of the NBA as a whole. Uh, we'll examine what once again what's going on with the Celtics in terms of how did the Magic do it? What's going on with the Magic? Are they a little bit better than we think? Cerruti, one of the co-captains of Magic Twitter fandom, along with Kevin Clark. So we'll. Talk to him about that we'll look at christmas day celtics bucks and if you're a fan of the ryan rosillo podcast you do know that they are famous for their end of show segment where they do life advice and greg and i have done this a couple times with saruti uh before coming here onto celtics blog so we have some holiday life advice in which steve saruti is going to give greg and i some tips on dealing with the family you know making sure that you get through all of those lovely social interactions that go along with the holidays so we have that coming up for y'all and then a programming note to go along with it uh with the holidays greg and i will have some travel plans i'm sure a lot of people have stuff going on so next week uh, our guys over at first of the floor will have you covered they'll have some content here uh, i'm not exactly sure which days but stay tuned to the feed they'll have you covered for some celtic content greg and i will be off next week so this podcast will probably be a little bit longer um, so feel free to kind of chop it up listen to it in a couple different sittings um, but yeah we will be off next week but then we will be back coming in hard coming in aggressively for the 2023 new year we will be like back third quarter jason tatum Yes, like I wish it was only the third quarter that we were talking about tonight, but we're gonna have to talk about it all, Greg. It, it unfortunately, it, it once again, it is what it is. So let's do it. Let's go ahead and let's do what we do. Let's do what I do here. Let's queue up a morning box score. Morning box score. Pacers take down the Celtics 117 to 112. Celtics are now losers of five of their last six, three straight at home, three straight against sub 500 basketball teams. 
Being in a Pacers tonight, led by Tyrese Halliburton, 33 points and 8 assists. Old friend Aaron Neesmith, 15 points, 6 rebounds. Chris Duarte, 14 points, 4 of 5 from 3. As a team, the Pacers shoot 46.2% from beyond the arc. Over to the Celtics, Jason Tatum did his part. 41 points, 5 rebounds, 4 assists, 13 of 25 shooting from the field. Got to the line 13 times, knocked down 11 of them. Malcolm Brogdon against his former team, 18 points, 4 rebounds, 7 assists. Jalen Brown with 19 points and 10 rebounds. Overall, though, the Celtics shoot just 38.6% from the field. And even more crucial, they go 16 of 34 inside the restricted area for a 47.1% mark. League average roughly at about 60, just over 66%. Two-thirds of those shots are typically scheduled to go in. Greg, there's some of the same, some maybe a little bit different of, of what's going on from what Adam and I tried to break down with those back-to-back losses against the Magic. Tonight, I think a lot of it stems from that first half, but take it where you will as we try to figure out what the hell happened. First of all, I just want to say, on record, I predicted the Celtics would lose uh, a game to the Magic and this game to the Pacers, if you remember. I didn't know that we'd lose both games to the Magic (laughs) and this game to the Pacers. So I expected the beginning of this uh, homestand to actually not go great. I didn't expect it to be 0-3, but I did predict 1-2. Yep. I think if Tatum plays the second game against the Magic, we probably win that game. Um, it's tough to lose two straight at home to the same team, especially a team that, you know, although the Magic are promising, as we'll talk about with Sarudi, they shouldn't never beat the Celtics back-to-back games at home. And tonight, man, it was just one of those games where, you know, Tatum obviously woke up in the third quarter when he got hit in the face and they didn't call it. He, like, really went God mode there for the rest of the game. But the Celtics, anytime it looked like we were about to make a run, something went wrong. It was a missed layup. It was a turnover in transition. We let the Pacers get an offensive rebound. Like a lot of five-point swings where we miss a layup and they come down and hit a three-pointer. Throughout the whole game, it was like that. Even in the first quarter when we got down big, it just seemed like we had all these opportunities to make easy buckets and just put the ball on the hoop and it just didn't happen. So on one level, it was just one of those games where the shots you normally make as you, as you just gave that great stat about league average restricted area field goal percentage versus what we did tonight. It was just one of those games where things weren't going the Celtics way, but we didn't do ourselves any favors. And as much as I wanted Jalen Brown to have an amazing game today after the backlash uh, on Twitter, after uh, Celtics blogs, Jack Simone, Wrote the tale of two Jalen Browns, uh, which, you know, I wasn't a big fan of that article, and that's fine, you know, different opinion. But I was a, a lot of what Jack said in that article came very true tonight. Came, came very true tonight. So Jack's going to be feeling pretty good about having written that article right before this game. Cause Jalen, although I thought it was unfair to criticize him for his, his recent play, I think tonight it was like, ooh, Jalen, this is probably one of your worst games of the year. A lot of bad decision making, not like little things like, not taking the ball a- out of bounds. Yeah, but I mean, I mean, yeah, that obviously passing the ball inbounds to yes. two very distinct plays. And I know those are not necessarily, you know, th- those are small things, but it, it, it that that speaks to and Joe Missoula just ta- I just saw a little bit on Twitter some of his quotes about w- we just got out hustled. We got out, you know, we weren't focused. And those are just focus levels, right? There. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in li- little things though, like 
you knew that Jason Tatum had it going. They could not stop Jason Tatum. The ball should have found Jason Tatum every single possession. And there were far too many times where he didn't touch the ball. He didn't touch the ball in the fourth quarter. I mean, it wasn't a lot of possessions, but he should have touched the ball in every single possession. Mm-hmm. One possession that stands out to me. Yeah, I think Tatum had just hit a three. Jalen has a ball. Jalen has a ball wide open in three for three in the corner. Tatum's there and Jalen goes up to take the shot. And the guy who was kind of in between Tatum and Brown fakes that or like commits to Brown earlier in the season, that was a pass, yep. right? Jalen was making that pass to Tatum every single time. He even had that weird stretch where like three games in a row, he he made like a really late pass where it looked like he was about to shoot a three and he passed it last second to Tatum for a three. And it, that was one of those moments where it was like, give the ball to Tatum. I guarantee you he's hitting that three-point shot. He just had it going. And yeah. there were too many times we didn't look for him. And then, the, obviously, that last call I thought should have been a four-point play. But, I mean, at that point, it, you can't really blame the ref. Yeah, when, you, when, when you're down 71 to 43 and have been down 30 points in the game, you, you can't look at that one game, that one play, even if you're annoyed by it. it's That's not the reason you lost. There's plenty of other other reasons for it. And, you know, you said it earlier. This feels like a game I want to just kind of say it's one of those nights one of those nights you don't have it i thought uh i think it was a couple a couple weeks ago maybe last week chris vernon was talking about on the mismatch podcast about some advice hubie brown gave him that you have you know as a team regardless of how good you are or how bad you are you kind of have 10 games a year where five of them you're so lights out doesn't matter who you play you're winning that game and you have another five games where you just stink you can't get anything to go right and you're gonna have five of those games what do you do with the other 72 and I think this game could theoretically fall into one of those five of just didn't have it going on tonight, didn't, weren't there, wasn't, and you know, and like I said, the, you know, the Pacers shot 46.2% from three. Chris Duarte hit two buzzer beaters on two different quarters, hit a couple just daggers, you know, throughout. And then, I mean, granted, he's a good shooter. That's what he does. But the, the Pacers just had, just had it going. Halliburton was awesome tonight. And so I, there's part of me that wants to put it into that category. But when you put it with the stretch that the Celtics are on, in which, you know, I mentioned this when Adam and I talked last pod, they're two free, they're two Anthony Davis free throws away from being six straight losses. And that choke back game, as you called it, would have just been a choke. There mm-hmm. wouldn't have been no comeback if Anthony Davis knocks down those free throws. There is no Jason Tatum heroics hitting that shot over LeBron. We don't get to overtime. There's it's just six straight losses. And, you know, it feels even worse than it does right now. And it doesn't feel great. So, Will, here's my question to you. What is the curse that we need to be more aware of? The J.J. Reddick curse on Derek White, who's been awful lately, yeah. or the Tootsie Roll uh, curse from the Phoenix Suns game? <sighs> I mean, it feels like it's probably the Tootsie Roll because, you know, I, I laid it out. We, we talked about how last pod, just a, a lot of slumps going on, a lot of shooting slumps going on right now, and especially from the role guys. And Derek White's the one for me where he's about a career 34 35% three-point shooter he was going to come back down from shooting he was like close right now though he's not yeah it's it's really bad this is this is that i mean there's definitely some credit to to or credence to to jj reddick's curse on Derek white i do think that that's a thing but as a team and this is the part that i'm having the disconnect a little bit with is go back to that phoenix game i was watching that with our buddy matt martin and he doesn't really he watches more college basketball than he does nba and he was like dude this is what you and greg watch every day and the ball movement it was electric just finding you know this is what adam and i touched on a bunch 
we're still getting decent and good shots. We're not getting the great shot. We're not getting that one extra pass that you talked about with Jalen Brown. There's not that, you know, drive, kick, shots not there, drive again, get another good kick. It's let's just take that shot when it comes. And it might be a decent look. It might even be a good look, but it's not the same looks that we're getting before. And when I watched that team tonight that just played the Indiana Pacers and a little bit against the Magic as well, too, and you can really put this whole stretch in there. I don't know how that team which that Phoenix game is the last time and parts of that LA Lakers game where it felt like, ah, there's, there, there's Mike, there's the good Celtics. There's, Mm -hmm. there's the Celtics that were on pace to become the best offense of all time to parts of tonight. They looked like you went down to 24 hour fitness, had a decent team, but absolutely nobody knew when to cut. Nobody knew what spots they were going to be in. And you just couldn't get on the same page. How did that team that was so connected in Phoenix and other games where it looked like they're on a string, everybody knows where they're supposed to be, to how disconnected it's looked. That's the part for me that I'm having mm-hmm. trouble trying to reconcile at this point with this with these past six games. Yeah, and I know there have been quotes out there about them pressing. I think Marcus, uh, who you know we should mention, missed the game tonight with, yep. with an illness. Um, he said they're pressing right now. I think Marcus actually is one of those guys that would have thrived in, in tonight's game because it's an undersized team. Um, he kind of thrives in that chaos. There are some games where Marcus, there are like certain types of um, physical makeups of other teams that I think Marcus does really well against. And I think the Pacers are one of those teams. I thought he would have done really well in this game. But, you know, that's no excuse for losing this game. Um, the thing that bothers me, Will, I don't really know the answer to your question of why are they so disconnected right now. But Rob's back and Rob looks elite like in terms of his athleticism and we lost the first three games with him coming back. Like to me that so disappointing. I, 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 I don't how get excited it. we were. About him he looks back. good, dude. He looks really, really good. He looks like peak Rob. So like if we're looking for silver linings and I think you and Adam touched on that in the, in the last pod, like the fact that Rob is, is healthy, I think probably did he start tonight? He didn't start. He, tonight, he did, did not. He, he still hasn't started yeah. tonight. He did. Play, I, so I, he I think in- you'll see him in the starting lineup soon. Yeah, so he played 18 minutes each of the first two games. They upped that a little bit tonight, played just over 22 minutes. Uh, But you're right, that was one of the silver linings. He had seven offensive rebounds tonight. And, you know, like I mentioned, the restricted numbers, 16 out of 34. We got a lot of second chance opportunities because of what I like to call, you know, the Tyson Chandler, when you kind of weaponize the, the, uh, you know, uh, batting the ball back out to the perimeter, but trying to angle it directly to, to your teammates. And, you know, Rob did a great job of that, especially down the stretch we just didn't convert him, And we had, he probably had honestly too many chances at it because we kept missing those shots. But that was one of the things that stood out to me and also him being able to dive to the rim and get some easy baskets. Those are things that as even when this team was at their, their peak early in the season, that wasn't a weapon that they had. That wasn't even an option really getting those, those second chances. And they didn't need them at the time because they were knocking them down. But now as they're in this slump, in this funk, you know, having a guy like Rob back, you know, is going to be very helpful. I do feel like, you know, on, on the defensive side of things, he's, his instincts are still taking a little bit of time to get back yeah. at times. It looks like, Oh, there it is. And then at other times you can tell that it's a, it's a beat off, but that's a process. We know that we're going to get there. Exactly. Yeah. With Rob, like what you were concerned about with him coming back was, is he going to look like peak athleticism, Rob? And he does. He looks like time Lord. He looks like Lob Williams. He's quick off the ground. He has the quickest second jump in the league. Yeah. Um, all the, you know, we, we already call him Bitcoin, Bob, Bobby Bitcoin, because he's the ceiling raiser for this team. But you know, if he, if he gets hurt, then we can crash. 
I think with with Rob being back at this level, I I think the Celtics are gonna turn it around. They have to turn it around at some point. This this can't continue much longer. But I, I think it's just like a look in the mirror, gut check game against the Timberwolves mm-hmm. this next game because we cannot go into the Christmas game on a four game losing streak, right? Lo- having yeah. lost six of the last seven first four on a seven game homestand. That's just like absolutely cannot happen. So I, I think that game should be fun against the Timberwolves if we're looking forward to that. But man, this, this was not pretty. I don't know what to say other than, other than we should have won the game because yeah. we were coming off of two losses to the magic, but we should not have won this game because we didn't play well. It's funny that you call the the Timberwolves game a gut check game because it almost felt like this was the gut check game, right? And now you're now you're in a position where you're about to put yourself on display on Christmas Day, the marquee game against what's seemingly lining up is going to be a rivalry for you know what could be years to come. We've already played the Bucks three times in the playoffs in about the last five or six years, and you know as we talk about with Saruti, you know, it, and it's funny when you guys listen to the Saruti part about halfway through, Greg goes, "Oh hey, by the way, do you know we're down thirty to the Pacers?" We were. <laughs> recorded this game as uh, we recorded the interview with Saruti as the game was going on. But we were also talking about how it feels like there's a collision course in the Eastern Conference that goes through the Bucks and the Celtics. So as you look ahead to that game, you're going to be full microscope, full national microscope mm-hmm. coming against the Bucks. And so to your point, this game on Friday night, against the against the Timberwolves, no Carl Anthony Towns. So once again, regardless of who's available for the Celtics, they're going to be extremely close to full strength. The Wolves are going to be without their first or second best player, however you want to want to look at that. And they've been playing pretty well lately, actually. Now they've had Anthony Edwards seems to be playing himself back into shape. Uh, you know, He talked about there's no space out there with two big guys. Now they're down to one big guy. Seems like he has some more space. He's playing well. But, it, you know, that feels like the way things are trending right now more than even a gut check, it feels borderline must win because you cannot, to your point, you cannot have a seven game homestand, call yourself the, you know, a, a championship contending team, which, you know, regardless if they lose or not, they still are, but you can't go zero and four and then act like, and then be the big dogs. That's just, that's just not how it works. Yeah, for sure. But I, I you know, counterpoint to that Christmas day is the marquee matchup, right? That's, we're not going to see the Orlando magic in the playoffs. We might see the Pacers in a first round matchup. You never know, but the matchup that we're all really looking forward to is the Bucks against the Celtics. And if you think about the Warriors, right? Although the, you know they're in a really tough spot right now because did you, see, out. did you see the Nets put up 91 points in the first half against them tonight? That's rough. That is That's rough. insane. Yeah. So like the Warriors beating the Celtics in that matchup, although the Warriors weren't playing great basketball at the end of the day, everyone's going to talk about how, oh, the the Warriors still, when it matters, beat the Celtics, right? So those are the games that they're getting up for. If the Celtics beat the Bucks, even if we lose against the Timberwolves, mm-hmm. we're going to feel good because we're like, all right, that's the matchup that really matters. We need to be able to beat the Bucks. And if we look great against the Bucks, you know, the, the sins of the past will be forgiven. But I, I do I do agree that we need to to beat the Timberwolves in this game because you don't want the, the narrative going into like literally – in the pregame show on Christmas day, and then we talk about how the Celtics have lost four in a row at home. Like that's not what you want. Yeah. I bet if they, if they win against the Timberwolves, I bet they don't even really mention how the Celtics have been struggling lately. They just like talk about how they're excited about this matchup. Yeah. It's a little bit more in passing. And you know, with that, the, the Cavaliers are right on both the Bucks and Celtics heels. They beat the Bucks tonight mm-hmm. as we're recording. Um, now they're basically right in that mix as I believe the Bucks have nine losses, Celtics 10 and the Cavaliers 11. So that is making that a little bit more interesting. Uh, coming up here on the other side, we are going to talk about Christmas day games, specifically the Celtics and Bucks. We're going to hit 
across the NBA landscape with Steve Cerruti. But real quick, trades. And talk some trades. It's, it's a really fun conversation. So this is one of our favorite guests that that we've grown a relationship with as we've had this podcast for the last two plus two to three plus years. Um, it's a really fun conversation. But before we flip it over to that, just wanted to make sure uh, we wish everybody a happy holiday season. Um, as we've mentioned, this will be our last podcast of 2022, which feels kind of crazy to say. Um, but this will be our last podcast of 2022. Uh, anything that you want to put out there before we send it to the other side, Greg? Nah, just be safe. Get a flu shot. <laughs> Stay safe. Have a happy holidays. Uh, and on the other side, it's myself, it's Greg, and it's our guest, Steve Sarudi. All right. Joining us today for a return appearance, blessing us from the ringer.com, from the Ryan Rosillo show, it's the father, Steve Sarudi. <laughs> What's going on, Sarudi? How you doing, man? I'm doing great, guys. Thanks for having me back. Yes, I guess since the last time that I I graced the pod, I have I had a daughter, so I am a father. I'm in a new club, so we'll have to. Uh, I joked with Ryan for a while that like I'll be the guy, the annoying guy now in life advice. I'd be like, well, as a parent, and then give my advice <laughs> about something and be that annoying person that everybody hates. Um, my life, like people always ask me too, like you know, oh, like has your perspective or things changed for being a dad? Like I've been a dad for like less than two months. Like I don't have my life is pretty much the same, other than I sleep less now. But uh, maybe you know who, who knows? Like maybe life advice will get a little more spicy because of that in the future. Well, maybe you and uh, Bill Simmons, you know, maybe he'll recruit you to Parent Corner and you'll yep. leave life advice behind. I know. He and Sal do a good job. Well, the thing is, they they have better stories right now because their kids are like in high school and they're like actual <laughs> people. That's the thing about like, I love my daughter right now, obviously, but she, you know, she's kind of like a blob. Like we, it's feed, diapers and and sleep. That's really, it's like mm-hmm. one of the three things. She tries <laughs> one of those three things. So there's not much story time there right now. Give me a couple of years and I'll, I might be able to contribute to uh, to Parent Corner. Like you said, you're you're early on in your in your fatherhood experience. Has there been anything that stood out to you? Like you said, it, it's kind of just keep your child alive is the is the main premise of your yeah. life right now. But is there anything else that has just you know that you weren't expecting that maybe did catch you off guard so far? No, I mean you know, I, honestly, I you know I think my wife would be cool with me saying this because I've told it else to other people in other places. The whole birth process was actually surprisingly kind of nice. Like I thought, it, I thought it was gonna be like chaos, and there was just gonna be like people <laughs> screaming everywhere and like bright lights in your face and just like absolute chaos. It was actually kind of nice. Like I, I, I'm sure not everybody's experience is like that, but like it was actually, and it, and it kind of like changed my perception of like, oh, like this isn't that bad. So like my, I guess if you go in, expect the worst, and then things will ultimately be better if you expect the worst because things aren't really as as bad as they always seem. But no, I mean, as as far as being a dad. I don't know. Like, again, it's, you know, she, I'm, I'm not as useful as she is right now. Like she's much more, like she's doing the feeding. She's doing all this stuff. Like I'm just trying to keep the house together and make her kind of sane here. So like, I don't want to sit here and say like, I'm like doing anything that critical, but um, so nothing, I guess really that, that important, but uh, it is like a cool experience. Every once in a while, just look down at her and be like, Oh, like, this is wild. Like I just created (laughs) this human and she's here and she's completely dependent on us. But uh, no, nah, man, it's really cool, man. I, 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 uh, she's, um, I, it'll be cool. Like once I was saying, like once we could, because right now I got like a bunch of NBA games on in the background, and like you know she's there, but she's not really there, right? She's not like she'll like look at the screen maybe and see the lights, and that's about it. But it'll be cool to like you know play some pickup boots there and play soccer at that point. I'm looking forward to all that stuff. You know, I would really love to get your wife's perspective on how easy this all has been. It <laughs> is not. The- it, it, <laughs> no, she, she would not say that. At all. She'd be like, "You're an idiot, uh, actually." But uh, no, man, you just try to do your best, man. You try to help around the house. You try to be as useful as possible because otherwise you're, you're not the one with the useful nipples i guess I'll, that's what i'll say <laughs> well first one. of all greg that's that's the title of this episode yes right? i yeah make sure you write that down that's no. so funny 
Well, as I you're having that. time to to kind of look around the, you know, you said World Cup was just on, just wrapped up. Now you're a big soccer guy, big football guy. Uh, you know, get a lot of time to to look around the NBA. You know, I'll be real with you. We we thought about we maybe had to cancel your appearance after what your Orlando yeah. Magic did to the Boston <laughs> Celtics last weekend. It crossed my mind as this was going to be a fun conversation, and then it turned into you know, there's two sides of kind of Celtic fandom. One where the sky is falling because you know you're you're familiar with the market. That's how Boston sports works. When you know when when you lose games that you think you're supposed to win, there's others that were kind of like us that were like, hey, the Magic are pretty good. You know, it happens. We're gonna move on, but we want to give you a chance to gloat here because this has been a hell of a start. You know, it's just funny to say about a team eleven and twenty one or so, but a hell of a start for an Orlando Magic team that looks super promising. What has been your thoughts on on this Orlando Magic team here in the early part of the season? Well, I think you know. Bill did this with, you know, he, House, and Rosillo on sort of like the, you know, the over-unders pod and, you know, the, the big NBA preview that, that they do every year. And all three of them are really high on the Magic. And, you know, obviously they know I'm a Magic fan, so they looked at me and be like, hey, what do you think? And I had kind of said, listen, I, I like the team. I like the direction they're going in. They've got some nice pieces. But this is still like a very incomplete team. It's still a very young team. So to say that like, hey, they're going to be a playoff team or, you know, they're going to push for a play-in spot even – like we we know, like young teams don't have success in the NBA. I mean, I know like the Celtics, you know, when Tatum was initially drafted, that was like kind of a young team, but so they still have some vets on it. So that that was kind of like an outlier. Most of these young teams, that's why like a couple of years ago, I remember when I was doing the pod with Scal, he was really high on the Hawks. And it was like, I think the second year of Trey Young or something. I'm like, I'm telling you, they're not gonna be good. They're not mm-hmm. young teams are not good. And I mean, I'm not trying to dunk on Scal here, but like they weren't good. They weren't a good team. They were like a year or two away because that's how it works in the NBA. So when they were asking me about the magic, I'm like, I, I just kind of think there's too much hype. There's too much buzz around them going into the season. They start the season pretty terrible. I mean, they had what the 10, 11 game losing streak. It was awful. I mean, I, I, I think there's uh, I mean, they've had a lot of injuries. So, you know, Jalen Suggs has been out with multiple injuries. Obviously they just got Markel Fultz back. Wendell Carter's been injured a ton. Even Paolo has been injured here and there for a couple games. So like, it's not like they've had a perfect situation either, but I think even if they were healthy, like asking this team to be a playoff team was, was just asking too much, but I do think what you're seeing now is there are just the signs and the seeds of what is something really, really freaking cool being built. And, you know, you guys know, I'm sure you've listened to all this stuff. Like I was a big Chet guy during the draft. Mm -hmm. I'm not, I didn't jump off of that ship. Like I still think Chet's going to be a really good player, but clearly Paolo was the right pick. And it's good that I'm not making draft picks for the magic, but I think people got it misconstrued. Like I wasn't upset that we got Paolo. I just kind of wanted Chet because I thought Chet was a little bit more unique. But I think the cool thing about this team right now is that, those two guys, those two forwards, that's what you like. We talk about death lineups and the Warriors and putting all the shooting and, and, and just putting your five best guys out there, regardless of position. That's fine. You know, the, the, the Warriors would go what from about six two with staff to like six seven with Draymond, but that wasn't mm-hmm. a big team. The future of like those lineups are big guys, big forwards, six ten, whatever, who are as skilled as guards are. And the Magic yeah. have two of those cornerstones. It's kind of like with you guys in the Celtics, like, although a, a supersized version of it with Tatum and Brown. Franz Wagner and, and Paolo Bancaro, I think everybody knows how good Paolo is like, just because he's gotten a lot of the limelight, but I haven't been, ba- I haven't beaten the drum for Franz for like two years now. I just yeah. don't think enough people talk about him. I don't think enough people watch him and see how freaking good he is. I, we just had an on uh, with the slow Newsday pod with Kevin and I straight up asked him, I was like, Hey dude, like, do you think, you know, people, do you think people underrate you? Does it annoy you? Cause it annoys me. Because I truly think that, you know, in a couple years, and I think if it's even right to have a discussion right now, I think I think Franz is up there with the best guy in that draft class. And we're talking Evan Mobley, we're talking Cade Cunningham, we're talking Jalen Green, obviously Scotty Barnes, who has had a rough year, and Toronto fans are 
Toronto, Toronto fans and Magic fans like have like this weird rivalry. So like Magic fans are kind of dunking on, on Raptors fans now because it does look like Franz is the dude. But mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm not saying Franz is the best guy in the class, but he is in the discussion for best guy in the class. And you put those two guys together at 6'10", who can shoot, play, make, defend, rebound. There's really no weaknesses in either of those guys' games. That's the future of the NBA. So for me, this whole season wasn't about wins and losses. Sure, it would be cool that we went on a six-game winning streak. It's cool that we beat the Celtics twice in Boston. Um, you know, it, it'll be cool if we somehow push for a playing spot. But that wasn't the goal for me. The goal for me is you got these two guys. Figure out how to make it work. Figure out what you need to put around them to build something in th- two, three years so you could actually start you know, pushing to the top of the East. And I think everything you've seen so far this season would suggest that this is going to be a team that if built correctly and they've got a ton of flexibility is probably going to be a factor in the East in the next two, three, four, five years. It's interesting you mentioned the Raptors. Will and I were kind of touching on this in the last pod as we were previewing the, the games against the Magic. And I mentioned how... You know, with the Raptors, they're trying to build this team of long athletic wings and they're all, you know, around six, eight. And then you have the 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 magic that are six, ten and you got bowl bowl who's seven, two. Yep. And you still got, you know, I know we talked about this last time you were on, um, but we talked a little bit about John, Jonathan Isaac. We didn't know if he was going to be around, but he's like six, eleven. You got Wendell Carter, who's six, eleven, like all these guys that are just huge and that are also skilled. And then your guards, aside from Cole Anthony, aren't small either. Like Fultz is six, three. Really athletic, as you saw at the end of the Celtics games, was a real problem on the offensive glass. Um, has had some big shots in the mid-range. The mid-range shot looks good. Three-pointer still not there, but the mid-range form looks good. Jalen Suggs is is a dog. So you got all these different pieces that are really turning into something special for the Magic. Now, Saruti, you mentioned Franz being the maybe the best player in in the draft class and i gotta bring it up again i don't know if you remember this but the first time you were on our pod i pitched you the rookie of the year belt idea right so i gotta bring it back because i think it (laughs) was i think it was simmons he was talking with joe house and they were just like talking about how all you know these different draft classes and it's not fair that you know franz is probably you know working his way up into the top of that class like this is so perfect another time to repitch the idea of the rookie of the year belt and the player of the class award. I just think it makes sense because this year, right? Because last year, Scotty won. Yep. Uh, I think it was Mobley. And, and fairly. Like, I don't, I'm not like, yeah. you know, I, I thought he fairly, he was really good last year. Um, yeah. So I'm not, this isn't like an anti Scotty thing, but, you know, give me the guy who could shoot, right? And, and, from, and, and Scotty isn't a terrible shooter. I think he's better in the, than, than some people thought he would be. But, uh, but I thought it was more even than people were suggesting. And I don't like Bill was a, but you mentioned Mobley and Bill. Bill was a big Mobley guy. He's yeah. a huge Mobley. I, I really he's like Mobley, Mobley as well. Guy. Yeah, he's he the big, biggest he, Mobley guy. Yeah, he's the captain of that ship. And it's not that I don't like Mobley, but but again, if if all things are kind of equal, and I think they sort of are, I think these guys are close. Give me the guy who has the ball in his hands at the end of the game, and that's Franz, not Mobley. Mobley's got two. Mobley's the third best player on his team, like at if we're ta- at best, and he's also playing next to a, like a defensive stalwart, Jared Allen. So he's got a ton of help around him. Again, I'm not taking anything. He's still a good player. I take him on my team in a heartbeat, but. Like, I, I just, like, again, this is your idea. Like, maybe it does make sense. Maybe we need to bring it back. But I don't know that we know the answer yet. So I don't know that we can definitively say, <laughs> but, like, but I'm this, saying Franz belongs there. For sure. But this this year, right, because Cade's out. Cade's hurt. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Scotty has not been good. So you're probably looking at Franz, if we were to actually do player of the class this year, Franz would probably, if it continues, would win the award. Mobley would probably be second. And then Jalen Green. Yep. would probably be third. So that would actually make a really interesting third year because it's just a three-year contest in my idea to see who would actually win 
that last year. Mobley would probably be the front runner two years in a row, finishing second with the point system that I developed. I don't, I don't remember all the, <laughs> all the different intricacies of it. Um, but yeah, man, it, I, I think this is something. I think we need to uh, get you champion this, uh, maybe mention it on the Rosillo pod, and then we could uh, really get some traction here. I, I, I actually think it makes sense. I, I, I haven't had a chance because I don't know if you guys, I've been getting a ton of smack because uh, I had mentioned the thing about Laurie Markkinen in the preseason. Um, and, you know, I've just got dudes tweeting at me left and right every time Markkinen has a good game. And it's, I don't even dislike Markkinen. But, yeah. you know, like I, it, it's one of those things where like I get I get nailed on it. So I haven't even gone on Ryan's pod to talk about that yet. But the next time I actually officially we officially do have the like the Franz Markkinen discussion, worst take situation. Maybe I will bring up like the idea of like, OK, like. Scotty one year one or whatever Moby was two, but like here's this year because it, it is right. I, it plays right into my hand. Like why I think we should be talking more about Franz because I just, I still don't think people are talking about him enough. And maybe something like this would make people talk about classes for longer than just because everybody it's a flash in the pan. All right, who who's awesome in year one? Okay, that's the best player mm-hmm. in the class. And people kind of like forget who else is in classes and they just don't understand like what the dynamics are between, especially team wise and year to year and injuries and how things change. They just kind of remember that first initial impact. Mm-hmm. And, you know, again, if you were to redraft that class, I don't know. I don't know how it would go. I, I really don't. I'm not saying Franz would go one, but I don't think he'd go seven or eight. Yeah. I mean, I mean, he, I mean, he's right in that mix. I yeah. mean, like, like we said, we've laid out, you know, who would be the guys in that. And that kind of leads me to my to my next point of, of looking at this year for the magic. Right. We, we know the future is bright. Y'all have a litany of, of players that are going to be players. part yeah. of which which could be another thing. Maybe you consolidate that into a move. And then that kind of leads to. What do you think is the best route for a team like that to go this year? You know, you talked about there's an I mean, they're only, I think, about two and a half games outside of the play in right now. We still have about 50, roughly 50 ish games mm-hmm. left to go in the season. And when you have a team like this, there's part of me that that believes that, you know, while obviously if you were to go the lottery route, which would probably require doing some OKC shenanigans and kind of resting Paolo, resting Franz, resting some of your guys, you know, voluntarily to quote unquote tank uh, to get into the Wemby sweepstakes a little bit more. But I think for a team like yours, I, I really think with the team like the Magic, getting some type of whether it's play in or maybe even being lucky enough to get playoff experience would help this team probably more than the slight chance of getting Wemby, which obviously you'd prefer just to take mm-hmm. Wemby, but that's a small chance that you're going to do that. So which way do you think is is the better route to go? Go all in and trying to making maybe in a run for the play in, maybe even making a trade to consolidate, or kind of seeing how things play out and then maybe trying to dip your toe in the Wemby water down the line. Well, I think thanks to you know, Adam Silver and the new lottery rules, it, the decision is a little bit easier for you because even if you're in that, like the magic were in the bottom three last year, which gave them a 14% chance, all those, all three teams. I think it was them, the Rockets and the Pistons, right? I think was the, were the three sounds, teams. Sounds about right. Um, I, I think that's right. Anyway, they all have this equal chance to get the first pick, no matter who is the worst team in the league. And then it, you know, it, it, it's less and less from there, obviously, as it usually is, but like, you don't, it's, it's not as, crucial to be in like the bottom three or the bottom five like it's you still have a decent shot no matter where you are in the lottery and i don't think the magic are good enough again to be a playoff team I, i'm just being honest if they stumbled into it i wouldn't be mad but i don't think they're good enough quite quite yet to do that and i'm 100 with you like at some point you can't just keep tanking and can't keep building for like i am a like i i'm a hinky guy like i was i totally was okay with what he did with the sixers i thought like you know i understood the process quote unquote the, the process and I wasn't mad at him. I understood like why he did what he did and why this franchise was run that way. 
But at some point, there is value in just like, all right, let's like we can't just be losers forever, right? We have to start playing in meaningful games. That was cool about the two Celtics wins is those were you know playoff type games, right? I mean, as as close as you can get in a regular season game against what is the first or second best team in the Eastern Conference. Now I know Tatum again was missing in the second one, but still in Boston to beat them, that's still a really tough task back to back games. So I think that stuff like for them, you're right, is very important. You know, sure if they get into i don't know the nine spot somehow end up making the playoffs and they get blasted in the first round i don't know how much value there is there of getting blasted versus just being back in the lottery but if given a choice like i am like try to win just try to win games like you might not win games because you're not good enough or your team is too young or that the roster isn't perfect right now which it isn't but to me there's no point in tanking whatsoever anymore anymore now i'll throw in the caveat that it doesn't help us get one Yama or scoot or, or anyone in the top 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 part of the draft but the magic do have the the bulls draft pick this year as well, which I mean, if we want to talk about worst trades of the last ten or so years, I mean, <laughs> as much as I love Vooch, man, I, I everything he brought to Orlando, that dude was awesome in some really really lean years. I have nothing but respect for him, but that trade was a disaster for the for the mm-hmm. Bulls. It was an I mean, it was an absolute disaster. They're going to blow it up. They're probably going to blow it up as they should. They're, I mean, I tweeted last year before the season after they made a couple of those moves inside DeRozan. I was like, man, the Bulls are Bulls are just starving to be average or relevant. And people, you know, were hitting me up being like, oh, what are you saying now? And they were like the one seed in the East. Well, they're, they are who I thought they were. They're an average <laughs> team. They're not that good, man. They had like a cool, like they had a little bit of a, like a hot streak in the in the beginning of last year. But we it, it always out, felt a little fluky, right? Oh, like we, it we never it was that, hard to buy in. We found out that Zach Levine's not that dude. And I, I've just I've never been a Levine guy. I think he's really talented. I mean, they've been in magic circles being like, hey, do we do we bark up that tree to see what it would take to get Levine? Absolutely not. So you ask about like roster building and how to do that. Like actually, Bill asked me this this summer. He was like, "Hey, you guys, you guys should be trading for Donovan Mitchell." And I'm like, "I we're not in the place. Like we're not in a place to be trading for Donovan Mitchell. What mm-hmm. what does he get us right now? He gets us like the seven seed, the six seed. Our roster is not in line with him. Yeah. Plus, he, I had he made a case for Fred Van Vliet today too on the podcast, I, which Van I thought Vliet? was I didn't really understand that one either. I, I think it's I mean it's going to cost far less than Mitchell, so I understand mm-hmm. it from that value perspective, but also. I'd rather just kind of roll with Suggs and Fultz than I would necessarily totally. going all in on a guy like Van Vliet, who I like a lot, actually. Me, me too. I actually I do like Van Vliet, but it all depends on the price, obviously. But I, I highly doubt that it would be worth the magics. Uh, the juice just wouldn't be worth the squeeze there. Um, so to, to full circle to answer your question, I think they should just try to win games, man. They're probably not going to be good enough to make the playoffs. You're, you're likely going to have two lottery picks this year anyway. The issue with the magic, though, and I've talked about this with multiple people, is they kind of have too many guys. They have too many players. Mm-hmm. Like, actually... Um, uh j kyle Mann hit me up about this because he was like hey is there anybody that like magic fans are eyeing in the draft this year and i'm like you know we we do really need like a guard who could shoot who's like big um who doesn't really need the ball necessarily i mean an ideal world like you need a clay thompson type like could we find a poor man's clay thompson right could we mm-hmm. could we get somebody like buddy healed somebody or just like, like a better terrence ross or yeah younger better more consistent terrence ross yeah i, I do love terrence ross though i still can't believe he's been he hasn't been traded in the last like four years but <laughs> yeah. celtic um, killer man celtic he killer. Is. Always he, kills he, he, he'll, every team has a story about terrence ross because he'll go off like on a random given night but then he won't show up the next night anyway I, not, this isn't a terrence ross thing but uh you know he was just asking me about guys that i'd like and i'm like but the issue is that like we have two of these lottery picks likely next year i don't know that we have the roster or the infrastructure to develop two more high lottery picks, you know, like we mm-hmm. already have Suggs, Bolts, you know, Bull Bull is basically that. Uh, Franz, you've got Paolo, you've got, you know, Wendell Carter Jr. is like a vet at this point now. I wouldn't even, I mean, he's young, but I wouldn't consider, he's like, he is who he is, and I love his game. Um, you know, Chumo, Kiki, like they've got these guys that they, that they are already, like if you had two more guys to the fold, that's hard, man. I don't know if you have enough coaching and bandwidth and just like patience to really do that again. So do you cash in this offseason with two lottery picks for, 
hypothetically somebody, a guard who's on the market, who's unhappy. I mean, the, the dream before the season would have been SGA, but that's not happening now. But something like that, that's the next move. That's the next move that they should be looking for. I didn't think the Donovan Mitchell thing made made a ton of sense. SGA on that team would be something. He's the perfect player. He would be the perfect player. Yep. He's great. It ain't happening now. So when you look at the roster, right, because you have so many guys, who are you? So you're definitely building around Paolo and and Franz, right? Carter, I would would want to keep Carter if I were you guys. And then Probably. I think maybe there's a decision between Fultz and Suggs at some point, but I think they can coexist on the same team. Is there anybody else that you would consider um, like the absolute core of this team? I I think I would probably have Wendell higher than most. I don't think he, I think we know what his ceiling and floor is, but that's okay. I just think he's a really good player. I saw, I was, I don't know. I think it was a tweet or something. It got tweeted into magic circles on Twitter. Um, but it was a Pelicans person who's like, I would, I would dangle that Lakers pick to get, to get Wendell Carter Jr. on the Pelicans mm-hmm. um, because he's that valuable. And he actually kind of is exactly what the Pelicans need. But I don't know. I don't think the Magic do that trade. I mean, I mean, Bill asked me over the summer, would I trade um, Wendell and Cole Anthony for DeAndre Ayton? I said, no. I said, no, not because I don't think Ayton's uh, the better player. He is the better player, but I have to pay him like I'm probably close to a max or whatever he got from the Suns. And I just don't think that that's, I think, I think Wendell Carter and his contract is more valuable than DeAndre Ayton is right now. So I'm really high on Wendell. So he's, to me, he's part of the rebuild hundred percent. He's, he's here to stay. The question is like the magic keep doing these like two center lineups where they'll play, you know, Mo Wagner or they'll play uh, uh, Bamba or they'll play bowl bowl. That long-term isn't going to make a ton of sense because they're just so bad defensively when they do that. Um, yes, you overpower teams offensively sometimes, and it's like kind of weird in transition. And you can it is it is like weird to play against. But there are times when man, like Bol Bol is just not a complete defender right now. Mo is flawed. I I think they'll probably try to move Bomb, but his his deal next year is not guaranteed. So I think mm. he's not somebody who's for the future. But as far as guys that are going to build, it's Paolo, it's Franz. I think it's Wendell Carter Jr. I I still believe in Suggs. Um, I would put him in a package for somebody, but it, it depends on who it is. It have to be somebody pretty good. And I still think Fultz is probably in that conversation as well because I just think like they you still need a true point guard. And he guys, everyone everyone on Twitter jokes about him and how terrible his shooting is. He's shooting around forty percent from three this year. He is not as bad of a shooter. He's actually a, a much much better shooter than most people give him credit for. He's never going to be an elite guy, and that it, it's fine. They don't need him to be that. But he's much better than people give him credit for. So I think that's probably the four or five guys. Everybody else, I mean, Bull Bull, everybody likes to bring him up. I don't know. I, I don't he's know. just fun, man. He's, he's a great lead nice. cast wash. Like, you to, know what I mean? Like, to me, he's a bench player um, long-term on a good team, but he's fun for now. But I think I would pick him over Mo Bamba in a heartbeat for sure. If it, like, that's the guy. I'm, I'm trading Bamba, and, I, and I'm trading Cole Anthony. Those are the two guys that I think are expendable. Yeah, our, uh, our our guy, Mike Gorman, play-by-play guy, legendary play-by-play guy for the for the Celtics. He's getting getting up there in, uh, in, in years, and... Yeah, he's been mixing up players quite a bit over the last few years. When uh, yep. when y'all had Bull Bull and Mo Bamba out there at the same time, <laughs> poor, poor Mike never stood a chance. Oh man, Mike Mike's <laughs> toughest moment in yep. that game was he called Hauser on our team uh, Wagner. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. It just just wasn't fair. But you know, with that, let's let's transition from the future and let's 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 get back to to the present here and look ahead to the NBA on Christmas Day, which is one of my favorite favorite times of the year. It's going to be interesting this year with a little bit of the NFL sprinkled in there as well. Oh, yeah, we'll talk the, about the NFL couldn't let uh, the NBA just have. <laughs> I know it, it kind of annoys me <laughs> to be honest, as as in more of an NBA than an NFL guy, especially in recent years. But yeah. it is what it is. I don't dislike the NFL. I still watch the NFL every weekend. So you know, it just it's just 
more sports, and we'll, we'll talk more about that here in a minute. But let's look ahead, and specifically, let's focus on Celtics Bucks here mm-hmm. for a second, because that's going to be the marquee matchup of five really good matchups. That's the marquee matchup. You know, you talked about it. The, the Celtics and Bucks are right now are the two best teams record wise in the league and in the East. Obviously, the Celtics have lost four out of their last five. We're, we'll see what happens in the Pacers game. We're recording this uh, right before the Celtics Pacers game. We'll talk about it at the front half of the podcast. But looking at the Celtics Bucks matchup, I want to start here and look at it, not just this individual matchup, but the Bucs just got back Chris Middleton a few games ago. Joe Ingles has recently come back. The Celtics got Rob Williams back with those magic games. So they're both teams are starting to round into form and they've been the clear two best teams so far this year. Do you put them and let's just focus on the East, not the NBA. Let's just say the East right now. Do you put the Celtics and Bucks in their own tier? And right now it's it's there's a, a sizable gap between them and the rest of the conference, or is it too early for that? I think so. Um, because as much as I like the Cavs and I was hundred percent for that Donovan Mitchell trade, because I just thought like that's the team that should be making that move. They've got a couple veterans. Yes, Mobley's young, but they're ready to kind of take that next jump. And I so I totally understood that. But I don't think they're there yet. Maybe next year or the year after they can get to that level, but I still think. They're a little bit young and a little bit inexperienced and not quite on that level yet. And then Brooklyn, you know, who knows what the heck? I mean, sure. Like, in a, it, of course, I, like last year I was wrong. And I remember talking to Ryan Bill about this and I, I was just like, Hey, you know, I, I think that first round series to get the Celtics is, is closer than people think. And it actually was close. So those games were close, but obviously it ended, ended up being a sweep. So, you know, I'll take the L there. That's fine. But I'm, I'm just never banking on anything that's ever again, really until it's, it's one of those show, like I'll be the last one back on the bandwagon this time. Um, and then I'm trying to think of who else in the East, like I, you know, the, the Sixers, I, I don't believe, I just, I just, I, I understand why they made the Harden trade. I still don't like it. I think, I think Maury has a blind spot for James Harden. And I just, I just do not trust Embiid, um, to one, just like fully stay healthy and carry a team over what I just think are two better teams in Boston and Milwaukee. So mm-hmm. to answer your question, I think there is a, a pretty sizable gap. Not that like those two teams are imperfect. You know, obviously we saw last year with the injury to, to Middleton and, you know, who knows, like Boston, you know, they certainly had a, a great run last year. Um, I thought last year was probably like a missed opportunity for them because I think it's going to be harder for them this year, obviously. And that's that's independent of everything that happened even before the season happened with the coach and, and Udoka. But I just, I just I just trust those team, two teams more than I really trust the Sixers, the Nets, certainly the Cavs, um, and really anybody else in the East. Yeah, the, and the, when you look around the East, like it it doesn't really make sense to put anybody in that contender conversation. As you were saying, like the Nets would probably be the team. I think right now they're nine, what, 19 and 12 or 19 and 11, yeah, whatever they are. Six, seven straight. I mean, this is this is mostly a respect yeah. to KD. That's all that's all this is. This entire the Nets being in this, even on the fringes of this, is just respect to Kevin Durant, which he deserves. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I think it makes sense that the you're gonna call the Bucks and Celtics the the contenders in the East. When you look at that matchup specifically. I, I know you're a new dad. I don't know how much basketball you've been able to watch, but is there anything in that matchup? Like you got some newcomers, like we we talked about with Engels, uh, just just returning. Chris Middleton's coming back from injury. He missed the game tonight uh, against the Cavs, so he's been in and out of the lineup. The Celtics obviously have the Rob Williams issue. Uh, Marcus Smart's kind of been in and out of the lineup a little bit. Um, we've got Malcolm Brogdon, who's always an injury concern. When you look at those two teams, who are you leaning more towards? Uh, well, obviously, your Celtics just getting Robert Williams back, which is huge. Um, obviously, a total game changer for them. So let's kind of see how that sort of propels them. I would still lean Bucks slightly, even though I I, I believe in the Celtics. Like I'm, I'm a Celtics. I think Missoula is great. I think I, I don't know that they missed a beat. I don't think they will miss a beat. I think they'll be fine. 
Um, but I think they the Bucks probably win that series last year if Middleton's healthy. Like that's no disrespect to, to you guys. Like I just I think that's that's just kind of the matter of fact truth of the situation. Um, that doesn't mean that you guys should like not be proud of making the finals or anything like that. Or I don't, it doesn't mean I don't think Boston can. I wouldn't be surprised if Boston did beat them this year because obviously that's that's still you know valuable experience and they believe they should be on that level. But if you're talking in a vacuum, everybody's healthy. It's just tough to go against Giannis, man. Like I just think he's on a different level from everybody else in the sport right now um, on both sides of the ball, really. And you know, as much as I like Tatum, there were some you know there were some worrying things at the end of the playoff run last year, especially in the finals. You know, I, I still think. Listen, I take him in a heartbeat. I think he's top 10 player. I think he has the potential. To- Franz Wagner for, for Jason Tatum <laughs> right now. What are you doing, sir? If you ask me, if you ask me Franz Wagner for, for Jalen Brown, that's a different question. Um, but for oh, Tatum, obviously, 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 <laughs> obviously. Hey, we're talking contracts too. Everything's on the table. Like I'm just saying. Um, uh, because Jalen's gonna get paid. He's gonna be paid big really soon. And that's gonna be kind of an interesting, weird thing to follow. But uh, I just kind of think I I just I'd have to go with the honest man. I just I don't I don't like betting against that guy. And especially because of what happened, I mean, I know like this doesn't, this doesn't go to the X and O's of it, but like that dude's probably so mad about what happened last year. And, you know, I think he's in some ways, like that's more motivation to him. And I think even like, so they win the title. And then even last year, he was such a beast in the playoffs and in that series that like, he's just not afraid of anything anymore. Like it used to be like, Hey, I remember again, I'll, I'll talk back to about the show I was doing with Scal. Like it was like, Hey, can he finish games? Like, can he close out series? Is he that guy? I don't think we just, we're just not having that conversation anymore, guys. Like we're just not like he, he, I, I fully trust him down the stretch. And I think Middleton's that guy as long as he stays healthy. Drew is still there. Now, I am a little bit worried. Like, obviously, the injury factor is a thing. Those guys, they're not young. Um, and I don't love the Bucks' depth, obviously, as much as I love the Celtics. That was going to be my next question for you here. That's the only thing. I, I, but, but, like, you know, when we get to the playoffs and it's a seven-game series, man, you're playing seven guys anyway. Like, and I just – I think the seven, including Giannis, like, and how big of a deal he is – Listen, it's it's like we're talking a six or seven game series. Like mm-hmm. we're, we're splitting hairs here. It's like it's not like I'm saying like they're going to sweep them. It's an absolute blowout. But I I would lean Milwaukee. And I think to to one of the points that you were, you were talking about there at the end is when you go seven deep. I think it's very clear that these two have the best top end talent. You might be able to find. And I think the Celtics have pretty good depth. The Bucks. I think once you get below seven, it gets a little bit sketchier. Yeah, exactly. But. You know, we just passed December 15th, which opened up a lot more of the league to be traded. January 15th will kind of open it up to to just about anybody being on the table. Do you think there's anyone that, as we're starting to see, we talked about with the Bulls looking to potentially blow it up or there could be you know we know john collins just got mentioned on his you know bi-monthly mention that he's, that he's available in trade talks i'm sure miles like turner's coming next week no, I'm, I'm not a huge i'm not a john collins john guy, collins man. guy yeah. um i don't know like he's like he's fine i i just yeah. don't know you know it's it's a little aaron gordon issue so i was watching the nuggets and grizzlies game last night and i like aaron gordon but you know to your point this is great to have you on actually because aaron gordon had to be a one or a two in orlando he's just not that Nope. I think the situation in Denver, if everyone can be healthy, is the perfect spot for Aaron Gordon to be that fourth guy, be, you know, can take on a lot of the defensive roles that they need. He can be a guy that gets you he 15 to 20 playing off year, Jokic. By the way. Yeah, but they just can't stay healthy. So he keeps falling into being Jokic's number two, mm-hmm. which he shouldn't be. But if he's healthy, that's where he should be. I think John Collins is kind of Aaron Gordon-ish in that way. Yep. And then if he's your fourth guy who, you know, you're not re- overly relying on, I mean, I think at times the Hawks just never know, should they rely on Collins too much or are they doing too little with him? And it's just been a really weird match with John Collins. Yeah, I – listen, in a vacuum, sure, I'd take him on my team. I don't know how much stuff I'd give up for him. It's kind of the same how I feel, as you mentioned, about Miles Turner. Like, these guys have been on the block for what feels like three years now. That tells you – and the fact that they haven't been traded 
kind of tells you yeah. what the league thinks about them, you know, like, mm-hmm. all right, yeah, we'd like this guy, but like, I'm not going to pay the price that you're asking for him. So like, he's going to remain on, on, on the team he's been on. And, you know, we're going to have this conversation every trade deadline, every off season. That's just how it is. So, um, I mean, I think, I think to your, like Van Vliet's a guy who, if he's on if OG and Obi's a guy who I'm like, if he's on the, I love OG. Oof, I think, I, would love I think OG, every team, know, every team know. wants an OG. He's a perfect, he's a perfect role player to be like, okay, that he fits into no matter what you know, what style you play no matter what your superstar is like he OG is just like, all right, he's like the glue guy to everything. Um, so, you know, I would, I don't, I don't know like if teams like the Celtics or the Bucks like have necessarily the assets to pull something off like that. Depends on what kind of fire sale we're talking about in, uh, in, in Toronto. Although I think OG, like if he's actually on the market, I think there's a lot of teams that would be interested in him. So, you know, I don't know who exactly that guy is for either team, but, um, but there's certainly, I mean, if the Raptors blow it up, there's like a three, four, five guys. I, I would be interested where they land on that roster. OG would be really interesting on the Warriors too. If you pair him with Wiggins on the wing and Draymond, like they, I mean, they have the assets you, to make a what deal. What are you giving up? So. You giving up Kaminga, Wiseman, and well, I mean, they, they, the Kaminga, you know, he's kind of burst out on the scene here a little bit over the last three weeks. So I, I would imagine that you would need to give up a Kaminga. I don't know that they would, you know, to get him, but you're definitely giving up two of the three. And that would, I mean, I don't know how you feel about him. I'm not like a huge Jordan Poole guy, but like I would also be okay, you know, moving on from Jordan Poole if it got me like an OG Ananobi because I'm relying more on defense in the playoffs. If you have Wiggins, OG, and Draymond, like that's a pretty, they, I don't know how many how many teams are going to be able to deal with that uh, I, wing combination. I love the idea of OG on the Warriors. I don't like the idea of giving up Jordan Poole though. I, I actually do like Jordan Poole. He's a flawed player. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. He got paid. I... Part of me was like, hey, like, could, could the magic sneaky, like, you know, get him in restricted free agency? Obviously, it didn't happen. He gets the max, and that's that's it. Um, and I honestly, I think that's for the better. I I, I think I, I don't know. Again, like, I don't know if the timeline necessarily matches up there, but I think Draymond's the more like odd man out guy than than anybody else on that team. And yeah. and the, the thing that I think they need Jordan Poole for is as like clay insurance because we just haven't seen yeah. play back. Like, you know, I know they 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 keep trying to, it's like the mean girls quote, like stop trying to make fetch happen. They they keep trying to make they keep trying to make clay happen. And as again, I mean clay pop versus us, but then he's been terrible the thing, in the games consistent. around that. You know, and, it's just you don't know when it's gonna happen anymore. It's not consistent. And as as someone who like clay has been my favorite player of the last decade, like I am team clay. I love everything about clay. But at some point, like you kind of need pool because he's like your other explosive guy when Steph maybe doesn't have it or needs a little bit mm-hmm. of help and you can't really rely on clay. And I'm not sure that Wiggins is, I know he was great in the finals, great in the playoff run. He's great for them. I still don't know that he's that dude. And I feel like he's kind of your OG, like, you know, mm-hmm. I, I mean, not that he's the, the same thing, but like, he's probably a better offensive player than OG. OG's probably similar defensively. Although I think OG's like a bigger dude. And it could maybe be do more Draymond stuff. But I think Draymond's kind of like the odd man out in that situation. So I, I would not be willing to part ways with Jordan Poole to get OG if I was the Warriors. Yeah. You know what, what's interesting? Um, we were on our Slack channel for, for Celtics blog. They put out the odds for teams to get DeRozan. And the Celtics mm. were actually were they third, Will? They were I don't third know. on that. Yeah, yeah, I'll pull third, it up right now. But yeah, third on third. The, third Lakers on the won, odds. I assume. Who was one? See, I think it was the Lakers were, were yeah. number one. Yeah, but like when, when I look at when I look at the Bulls roster and I see DeRozan available, like that surprised me to see the Celtics third best odds to get him. Do yeah. You have so r- real quick, yeah. So it was uh, the top three were Lakers, Heat, followed by the Celtics and Mavericks Heat. and Grizzlies, <laughs> all tied. 
I'd love him to go to the Heat just because to be like another guy who's like on his. I mean, I, again, I like the Rosen. It's an anti Rosen thing, but like the Heat, they'll they'll sign some guy who's like three years past his prime and be like, "We're the Heat. We get we get all these all stars. Like we're we're Miami. Like you don't believe in Heat culture, so Rudy? I am not a Heat culture guy. Sorry, man. All right, I I, I subscribe to the Frank Isola school of like it's just kind of bullshit. Um, I just I don't I don't. I, not that I don't think it's real. I just think like it's so over. It's especially now, man. Like I don't know. That team doesn't look good at all, and they've got a bunch of old dudes. Jimmy Butler's contract's not going to look good soon. So DeRozan going there is such a heat move that would be like, oh, look at the Heat. Are they back? And then they're actually not back. Mm-hmm. Well, is the well? Let me ask you this: Is is DeRozan the guy that could really shake up, regardless of where he goes? We don't know. Obviously, he's still in the Bulls right now. But is he the guy that you would say if he goes insert Team X? he can really shake things up and change the championship landscape. Or maybe it's OG, who we already talked about. Is there a guy that you think, man, if this guy gets moved, it it changes everything? I'm just trying to look at, like, who, like, you know, he's, he's likely not going to Milwaukee, although that would be fantastic. Um, like, if he goes to Boston, what... What I mean, is, I, what I, is DeRozan, DeRozan to Boston makes no sense to me. I, I, like? I don't yeah, see yeah. how the path we get there or why we get there. But even say, say in a vacuum, like, you know, he's on your team and you've got him, Tatum, and Brown, like, you kind of they're you know similar guys they're all mm-hmm. like you know small forward ish like and i know they could probably play together but i don't know i i just i don't see what how that makes you that much better to be honest with yeah you. the I mean, geometry like of the floor yeah the geometry of the floor with that with DeRozan, with jalen and, and and tatum doesn't really make sense especially because jalen has been living so much around the elbows this year and that's where DeRozan makes his money, right? So I'm not, I, I don't understand those odds why the Celtics would be third. I don't know what we would give up and why we would give it up to get him. Where's um, Philly on there? Is Philly on there? I think they were. Let me see. Here. Because that, that is interesting. Like, I think, you know, again, Philly's actually not on here. Philly, so it might, not be, it might not be possible. And maybe that I don't know what they're like, exactly like what they have to, to necessarily offer. Probably not a ton yeah. since they trade a lot of it for, for, for Harden. Exactly. But, uh, but I don't know. That's an interesting one. Like, I think he would look good there uh, for, for sure. Um, I'm trying to look like even like in the Western Conference, I, I, the Grizzlies would be an interesting one. They were on. I that mean, the list. Grizzlies have a lot of assets. That's that's their thing. Is they have a lot of contracts, and then they got some picks, and they've got young guys. So they've got a, just just a you know a, a multitude of ways to get to contracts, to be able to make stuff work. Could Portland make something happen? I'm not saying they'd be like a they would be a contender, but like I I like Portland. Like I I still love Dame, and you know they have some good young pieces. Like you add DeRozan to that. Um, it is well, interesting. Well, let me ask you this, Rudy. Who do you like? We neglect the West sometimes on this, obviously being a Celtic show and focusing on the Eastern Conference. Who do you like out West? Because the West is the West is incredibly unique. Like we talked about, Celtics and Bucks in the East kind of have separated themselves and, until otherwise, you know, noted with maybe moves or something happening from that tier below. But the West is really tightly knit together. Do you have any read or any any feel as to who you would lean towards out West? I really like Denver. <laughs> I mean, I know, I know they're looking one in the West. So I'm not like saying anything insane. Um, you know, I, I, there's something about the Grizz where I, I love watching this team, but do I fully trust them? I don't know. Like, do I, am I going to trust Dylan Brooks and not do something crazy? Am I going to, am I, tr- I don't know. I, I just, I, it's hard to explain. Like now, now you mentioned at the beginning, we were talking about the world cup a little bit. And, like I'm a big soccer fan and I picked Argentina to win it all. I picked them months ago. I picked them before the tournament, but then I kind of got cold feet during the tournament. Like on the pod, I kept doing, for the ringer with Paul Carr, I was like, I don't know. There's just something about Argentina like that. I don't trust. And then obviously they go on to win the tournament. So like, maybe don't trust my instincts and me saying this about <laughs> maybe me saying this about, uh, about Memphis, you know, might just be stupid. But I said that about Argentina because they blew a two and lead to the Netherlands and nearly got knocked out. They obviously lost their first match against Saudi Arabia. They nearly blew the final against France, even though I still think they were the best team. 
Um, and I don't know, there's just like these vibes around the, 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 the Grizzlies where I'm like, am I really all in on jaw, like leading this team to, to the promised land to Dylan Brooks and, and, and triple J staying healthy. Like, am I really buying into that? I don't know. And there's something about Denver, even though I know they've got their questions too, that feels more comfortable to me. And maybe it's just because like Jokic is just so insane. I mean, obviously he puts up the, the what the 13 by three last night. Was it, um, well, I think he was the first player basically to do that consistently since bird magic. And then, you know, he had like the, the, what the 25 pound, the 25 uh, rebound game. I mean, the guy's just stupid. Um, and as you mentioned, it's all for them. It's all about being healthy though. Right. Like is, is mm-hmm. can Gordon be the four? Cause he is a four. He's not, I, I watched him for years. I spent way too many years of my life hoping he was a one or a two and realizing that he was actually just a four. Um, and I'm like happy he's in that situation, but like, that's who he is. You know, is Jamal Murray going to be like the Jamal Murray of a couple years ago before he got hurt. Right. Um, obviously, uh, Porter Jr.'s question mark as well. But I don't know. I, there's something about Denver that I just kind of like this team. I like the way they're put together. I like the way they play. I like them in a grinded out series. Like just because Jokic, I just kind of think can navigate his way through a series with his passing and his basketball IQ more than maybe some other teams and players around the league. So it's tough. I mean, it's certainly wide open. I mean, you could talk me to the Pelicans. Like, I don't know. I like the Pelicans, man. Like they're dangerous and they yeah. certainly aren't afraid of anybody else. Um, so I don't know. I get it's an easy answer because like they're the number one team right now. But I I would probably say Denver won, but it's certainly wide open. Yeah, when you think of like crunch time down the stretch, looking at these teams, I actually haven't looked at the Western Conference standards in a while. Uh, standing standards, standings in a while, and I didn't realize the Nuggets were up at the top. But like the Grizzlies, right? Like Bane obviously has been out for a while. But he's the one guy that like gives me hope in terms of like what they could do outside of just give the ball to Ja down the stretch. Yeah, you know he he's he's like a he could be like a Jamal Murray type, um, just like running pick and roll, pulling up off of threes, all the stuff that Murray can do. I feel like Bane can do a lot of that. Murray's obviously a little bit more polished, more proven than Bane is. But that's what I like about the Nuggets. They have a few more ways that they can close out a game with um with Murray Jokic pick and roll, give give the ball to Jokic, just let him do his thing, uh, run the offense through Jokic. You know, Gordon, as you said, you, you know, you think he could be a four for them. I think like actually the position for like the fact that he's playing power forward and mm-hmm. the fact that he's just big. Like I mentioned that earlier when Will was talking, he looks the biggest I've ever seen him. Like the, he looks like a real power forward now on the court. And Will, by the way, I just looked at the Celtics score. I don't know if you saw that. It's 71 to 43 Pacers at halftime. Oh, so, uh, well, that sounds like it, it sounds like whatever we said at the front <laughs> half of this podcast, it was not pleasant. Did the, ma- did the magic create a crisis? Is that what's happening right now? Yeah. <laughs> I told you we shouldn't have invited Saruti on the podcast. After oh this. my gosh. Uh, yeah. But when you look at the other teams out West, it's like not that many teams that scare you. No, it's a lot of the same. I mean, Phoenix yeah. and the yeah. Clippers are kind of in the same boat to me. Like, I don't know if I trust them. Yeah, the Kings, I'm sorry. Like, I'm just not going to buy into the Kings. I do like the Blazers. I just don't know, like, what. I don't even know. Like, they could I, be I like the their 10 starting seed or the three seed, and I'd be like, I like oh, their right, starting yeah, lineup. I just don't know even more so the depth issues that you said, you know, we hinted at with the bucks way more with the blazers. They're starting five though with Dame. And then also Damon Simons as a, as a backcourt deep in the playoffs defensively, is that going to hold? Are, up, are either of you guys, like we talked about it before with, with DeRozan, you know, if somehow he does, if they decide, Hey, we're going to, we're going to, you know, we're going to eat the, eat the poison pill and trade the two protected picks, right. Unprotected picks. Um, and probably Westbrook for, for DeRozan, mm-hmm. you know, they're only a game out of the, or what a game and a half out of the, of the plan. Like I know mm-hmm. Anthony Davis, the health thing I said famously before the season, I sold all my Anthony Davis stock. And of course it comes back and it's like an MVP candidate, but again, <laughs> yeah. he gets hurt. And that's why I don't, yeah. this is, this is, this is what I'm talking about. Like, I just think his body physically is not the same, but 
you know, LeBron and AD, if he's playing that way, you add DeRozan to that mix. Like, I don't know, in a, in, yeah. in a West that kind of feels weird. Like, it's it feels a little know. open. I mean, I think it's potential. I think it was a lot more of a potential a week and a half ago before it was a foot injury yep. to Anthony Davis, with who already has, you know, a, a horrible history with injuries, big man, feet, any type of lower body injury. It just, you know, to expect him to come back at, what he was doing because he was, you know, probably first team all NBA, second yeah. team all NBA, right. uh, you know, so far through the quarter part of the season, a little over the quarter part. And if that was what you're getting and you're adding DeRozan, who I think is kind of an awkward fit, probably not the best fit, but he's better than what they have. Like, yeah, of course they have a chance. It's, I it's think LeBron, he's a good fit, actually. You know? I, I, I think he's a good, I actually do think he's a good fit because I, I, it's weird. I've watched a couple of, of Laker games and I've just, I, it, LeBron seems like incredibly disinterested at times. And I don't know if it's because, he just hates the roster, which I don't blame him. I mean, I, I probably hate it too. Um, but I, I think, you know, he, DeRozan comes in there. He instantly adds credibility. He's going to be a LeBron guy from day one. I could just, mm-hmm. those, those two guys, I could, you just know would just be compatible. If AD stays healthy, I actually do like the fit because I mean, one, you're basically replacing him with Westbrook, who's a non-fit, even though I'm not really buying into like this, the green patch of him coming off the bench. It's okay. But like, we, this should happen like three years ago. Uh, I, I do think, you know, I don't know. Like, I know that he's not he's not a three-point shooter, and that's what they need. They're a terrible shooting team. Mm-hmm. But I still think, like, he provides you offense. He provides stability. He provides you defense. And he's, like, another thing, another guy for LeBron to not have to do everything on the mm-hmm. perimeter. I, I actually think it's okay, even though it's not perfect. Yeah, it's another guy that you can give the ball to down the stretch, which they don't have. I don't know if you watched that Lakers-Celtics game, but once the AD and LeBron pick and roll, which they ran to death in that fourth quarter, once they ran out of gas and it was just Westbrook, it was like literally just give the give the ball to Westbrook and we put Luke Cornett on him and Westbrook scored on him twice and then the rest of the overtime, we just dared him to shoot and he missed yeah. every shot. So like with DeRozan, he's another guy that can win you a game down the stretch in a different way than what you already have with LeBron going one-on-one, similar to what we were talking about with, with the Nuggets, right? Mm-hmm. They, they just have more ways that they can win a game if they get DeRozan. Um, I don't know about like the 48-minute fit in, in terms of the spacing on the floor, as you said, that, but that's kind of that, what I was leaning yeah. towards is down the stretch. I think awkward. it works down the stretch. definitely works. And I think it just gives them, like you said, another viable option, but you know, throughout the course of the game, I think you're going to get a little awkward. I mean, obviously if you can, you know, have it where it's two out of the three out there, you're going to be fine. I think, but trying to get, I mean, when you get to playoff time, we talked about the rotation is going to be cut down significantly. You're going to want your best players out there. And I don't know how that would fit, but I think that's an interesting move because the Lakers, I think have to do something. You're on a LeBron timeline. You're not on your own independent timeline. You're on the LeBron timeline. They'll be playing on new year's day. Now. I mean, not new year's day, excuse me, Christmas day. And that's gonna be actually interesting. Them and the Mavs great lineup. That will be kind of like the middle game of that Christmas day slate. But so Rudy, I want to transition us here to, you know, you're a life advice connoisseur, <laughs> you know, we've, we've, they've missed you on the show. Kyle and Rosillo have held it down. Uh, there needs a little pinch of Saruti to, to get you. back in Thank there. You. So, uh, you, I'm, you're, I'm you're, no Kyle, but I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the absence of your presence has been, has been noticed. So I'm excited for you to get back in there when you come off maternity, paternity leave. So we figured let's give you a little warm up here. Let, let, let's, you know, let's, let's, Take some of the dust off here. Let's give you a little holiday life advice. Help Greg and I out for the holidays. Maybe some of those of you that are in similar situations coming up here. So, Greg, I'm going to go first because mine's a little bit quicker. Yours has some layers to it. So, uh, so, so (laughs) just real quick before you go, Will, I I went back and re-listened to the last time Surudi was on the pod, and you gave me some advice about starting my new job and like how to 
maneuver happy hours and office politics this. and all that. Yep. Dude, like when I went back and listened to it, I didn't realize how right you were about everything that you had <laughs> said. Like I was, I was like, oh my God, I do do that. I just like kind of forgot that we had had that conversation, but I actually took it to heart and I tried to do it. Will, you obviously gave some great advice as well. And um, yeah, but the new job, I'm killing it. The new job, uh, happy hours. I haven't You're really welcome. been to too many of them, but I, I've, I've been doing my thing at the happy hour game. There so I appreciate yeah, it. You seem, you seem like a star of a happy hour, guys. So I don't think you, you probably didn't need a ton of advice anyway. Yeah, appreciate guy who hosts a podcast should be able to hold yeah. his own, hopefully, yeah. uh, at, at a happy hour. But all right, so so let's get into it here. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna go first with with my life advice here. So, uh, you know, so I'm I'm out. I'm gonna be with my girlfriend's family. She's from Mexico. We're gonna be with her family in Mexico. And as we kind of talked about. NBA Christmas Day, one of my favorite days of the year. A lot of great basketball, five really, really great basketball games. Obviously, Celtics Bucks, which we talked about a bunch, is going to be kind of that middle game. Sprinkle in, not the flex, but in the semifinals of both of my fantasy football leagues. <laughs> oh, no. So, you know, a couple of NFL games no in the yep. mix that day. We're not going to talk about the Patriots. I think the Patriots play on Saturday anyways, but the Patriots, after that disaster of an ending, I've given up all hope on that. So I could care less about their playoffs, more concerned about my fantasy football playoffs and basketball being on all day. So my question is my girlfriend's family, other than, other than soccer. So for the world cup, they got into it. Not really much of, of sports fans. So as a degenerate sports watcher, as someone who hosts a podcast that covers the Celtics, I've been given the green light that when needed to, it's okay. If I go check out, go do my thing, go check out on games. But listen, you're married, Saruti, Greg, yeah. you and I are in long-term relationships. We know appearances matter. Right. So so my question is, how do I go about approaching trying to for sure watching the Celtics Bucks game as well as trying to get my fill of a day that I really enjoy being able to watch the best players and the best stage and the biggest stage. It's typically just highlighted for the NBA now with the sprinkling of NFL. How do I get my fill while also not looking bad to my girlfriend's family? I think this is a this is a I'm sure there's a, a bunch of dudes out there that are like, how do I how do I navigate this? Because yeah. You know, I'm lucky enough where my family kind of understands like what I do and understands it. Like, all right, this stuff has to be on. Does I want to ask you? Do they understand? Like, they do they they know you have the pod. Like, they know that. Oh, this for is, sure. Like, part of what you do. This is part of like your. Yeah, I just got I just got a text message. Like, should we wait for you to finish? Like, they're very considerate, and I'm like, no, please oh, eat without me. I do not well, want I, you to to wait for me while I, while I record good, this podcast. Good. So I think I think you'll mostly be fine. Now you can't be the guy who's like you know eight hours in front of the TV while everybody exactly. else is in the dining room. But you just can't be that guy. And I think because like it's it's actually pretty easy for you because you know you can kind of follow along your fantasy team on your phone more than you can the Celtics Bucks game. So I think the Celtics Bucks game, if you sit there and say, this is my, this is my two and a half hours. Like, this is me. Come, come hang out with me on the couch. Like, let's have some beers. Do you know what time you're eating? So that's the thing. So like everyone's kind of arriving in the middle of basically. So, so we're in a mountain time zone. So I think it's a five 30 Eastern start. So it's three 30 here. I think everyone's kind of slated to come on Christmas day around. It's either like four 35 ish. So people will kind of be trickling in probably like from four 30 through five 36. So that's kind of the end of the game, right? Not until the end of the game, but people will be coming in circulating. So to your point, this was kind of my game plan is that's my one time, especially with the podcast. I have that leverage of, 
this is the Celtics. It's not just, you know, the the Suns and Nuggets where that's a little bit harder to, to justify. Like while people are or opening presents. be like, hey, I got to get – we got a tie game here. Yeah, we, we got a tie like. game here and Raheem Mostert's, you know, on the goal line. I really, really need him to put this one in. <laughs> that one's a little bit harder to justify. So, yeah, I think I think from when it comes to Celtics-Bucks, I'm actually pretty covered on that. That's going to be plant my flag. Yeah, I'm, I'm your... watching the dog, making sure he doesn't go crazy on, you know, people as they keep coming in. Got him by my side and then just kind of like you said, have a couple of beers say hi come join me and then try to be the you're, you know the magnet that attracts the crowd yeah you're approachable because like people come in they know that this is what you do they know the celtics are on so they're gonna it's, it's actually an easy in for you to just have conversation mm-hmm. with people like um although if you're one of those guys and i'm kind of this way only for certain teams but and this i guess this isn't a, it's not like a finals game or a playoff game so it's not like the you know it's not like you need to be yeah. like locked locked in but like i remember my sister uh and her boyfriend wanted to come over for the usa england game uh, soccer game during the world cup that was black friday it was like you know a huge deal obviously the u.s is their standing in the tournament was in balance yeah and she's like oh yeah can we come over they're not really big soccer fans and i was like <laughs> i'm gonna kind of need to watch this one like i'm gonna need to be in like in the zone on this one and like to their credit they knew that i was doing a pod and like they knew that i had to be in it so at least you kind of have that going yeah but this also isn't the end of the world if you miss like a a five minute stretch of the game it's really not going to like kill you one way or the other. So you should be made there. And I think like, do you have like YouTube TV or sling TV? Like, are you able to watch like red zone on your phone? So this is the one part because we were going to be in Mexico. Not all of oh, it it's all, works, it's all but, out. but, yep. but, my my girlfriend's brother does have a VPN, which I'm bringing with me. Okay, so so that will help, and so that will be. So it will mostly be Celtics. My plan is basically Celtics Bucks. That's the one time that I have like the you know the freedom to be like, all right, I'm I'm committing to this. Yeah. The rest of it is more going to be fantasy football. Will just be definitely checking on the phone, and then with basketball, Swapping. I'll try to yeah. catch what I can, and you know we'll we'll make do. But I feel like to your point, I think this is going to be a problem that others that are listening to this podcast are like, I totally know what this guy. I would just say like at, for, from somebody else who's like, hey, I want to sit down on the couch and watch eight hours of hoops like you can't be that guy no one likes that guy like i'm sorry like i nobody likes that guy like that it's just it is what it is like you got to mix it up have a couple drinks i mean be inviting like talk to people about you know i mean they don't have to be into the sport but explain to them like hey like you know lebron's playing or like this is my team the celtics (laughs) like there's a way to like find a common ground yeah Yeah. and like actually have people be interested in you and have it be sort of like a familial thing there's a way to do that but you can't be i i remember i mean it's i'm not even gonna say who it was but like somebody that is in not even my friend circle but just like an extended circle of my wife and i's I he it was one such similar situation. I don't know what the date was or what the holiday was, but there's a story of like how he just sat in the living room basically for like hours on end while everybody <laughs> else was in the in the dining room having dinner, exactly. laughing, joking, whatever. Like, don't be that guy, man. You yeah. can't have the self awareness to be like at least like every hour or so come sit in the dining room for like 10 minutes 15 don't minutes, abuse the green light that you've yeah. been given you can like go I, in there but don't don't be on an island for for half a day because you're like ultimate sports hardo guy all right it's so not that yeah. big of a deal so will you also have this like you're already there you're spending time it's not like you're sure. only going for this one day the question i have for you will is i know lorraine's family's primarily speak Spanish. Have right. they spoken more English around you or are you just there's a few cousins and aunts and uncles that speak a little bit of English. So it's a little bit of a mixed bag. I've been trying to practice a little bit more. It's still not great, but I, but that that's my other out is that I have the, the, the language barrier. So sometimes you can just like kind of smile. Yeah. You can just yeah, like, you know, smile, nod, cheers, you know, you know wave, wave yeah. some food. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So we're going to get by, but that, there's some good advice for, for those of you that are in a similar situation that may need to kind of find that that delicate balance greg let's uh let's go over to yours i'm nervous okay okay so for me this is also holiday related also relationship related 
So my situation is I'm going to be flying into Boston on Friday, hopefully weather permitting, uh, flying into Boston on Friday. I'm staying through the, the morning of the 27th. So my girlfriend is actually staying in Austin and she's going to be flying into Virginia. So I'm going to be meeting her and her family in Virginia on the 27th. However, to get from Boston to Virginia to save some money, what I decided to do, this was entirely my decision, what I decided to do was to link up with her family without her. So her mom and her dad, her little sister and their pit bull in their car and driving from Massachusetts all the way to Virginia in one day. So we're doing like a 10 hour drive. My girlfriend is not there. So my question to you is, I'm I'm not a confident driver, and I don't like driving. Oh, you're okay. Cars. You're driving. You're you no. I, a... I'm not driving, but they're they're okay, picking me up. But my the, right. the question I have for you is if I'm asked to substitute for driving, and I'm not confident in my ability to drive this new car that I've never driven before, and also just like I don't like driving in general. Like, do I just be honest with them and be like, "Hey, I'm sorry. <laughs> like, you you got to figure it out, Danielle's sixty year old father. Like, you got to drive on your own. Like, I can't do it." Or, or do I just step up? You know, I, I'm not okay. really sure. So that's my first question. I'll let you jump in on that one first. Two things. How well do you know them? Pretty well. Yeah, I've, I've spent some time You've with them. You've been around for a while. You yeah. Know, like yeah. This is, not, this is, we okay. just had our three-year anniversary they like you. last week. They yeah, like they love you? Yeah. Uh, I, and they know I, I'm quirky. I'm the kind of guy who I would uncomfortably drive before I admitted like that. I, 100%. That I didn't want to drive. That's, and you, and you um, know why you do that, Rudy? Because that's the answer. Yeah. I mean, like, you, I think you just kind of have to grow up. I'm sorry. Like, I don't, don't want to be a dick about it, but I think you, like, what kind of, are we, what, Tahoe? Like, what do we drive? Like, it's got to be some big SUV or minivan or something. Like, what are um, we, I, like, I, I, is I that why it, you're intimidated? Like, or, or is it like, a, I don't like anybody driving with me because I'm just self conscious about it. No, I like, I mean, I've driven across the country many times in my own vehicle. I think the biggest thing for me is like, I'm used to my car and like, I have the, I have the, um, the video for the side mirrors and like the back mirror and everything like that. And like, I don't know, just just like driving my car. It's a new car. It's like a 2020, uh, CRV. It's like, it's pretty nice. And like, I don't think their car situation, like, yeah, yeah. And like, I'm just not really, it's the unfamiliarity of it is what it comes down to. But I mean, listen, and her, yeah. and her dad, like, gives me shit, like, a lot. He gives me a lot of shit. About driving so, or just in general? Just in general. He's just a ball right. buster. So I feel like he's going to be there, like, antagonizing me. As yeah. Well, I would say that's a good thing. That That's a good thing. Like, I think, you know, knowing that he's going to mess with you, like, that should make it a little easier on you. Then. Yeah. like, you kind of, like, you know it's coming, and it doesn't even mean that you're doing a bad job. He just, he's just a ball buster, so that's yeah. fine. I really just think you got to grow up, dude. I'm sorry. Like, I hate to say <laughs> yeah. it, um, but – you know, like it's kind of a dick move if you're like, hey, actually, thank you. I don't want to. I'm, I'm going to pass on, on taking my shift on the drive from Boston <laughs> to Virginia. Like that's not a good look on you. You yeah. know, especially so if the- like a bunch of other people in the car are all taking shifts and you're just like kind of like freeloading off. Like, I, not that yeah. you are freeloading, but it just you have you kind of just have to do it. Yeah, that's the key point. Yeah. What is the shift situation? Is he decide because you said what is it? It's it's you. It's Danielle's father and her sister. Those and are the three. Mom. And the mom. And okay. The yeah. So, so here's the thing. Like, I, I don't think you have to necessarily volunteer unless you see that there's very clear, there's a shift system going, then you have to throw your name into the ring. But if it's just kind of unspoken and say the father drives like five hours and maybe, you know, the, the mom hops in and does two and then he keep finishes it. I don't think you necessarily have to volunteer yourself unless it's being discussed. Mm-hmm. And then if you're asked, you, you absolutely just have to do it and just pretend like yeah. you're super confident. Yeah. yeah. The other thing too is though, like, Dude, driving on the highway is not that hard, man. Like you put it in cruise true. control. Cruise control. Like, cruise control is the best. You know, 
it's not like everyone's probably going to be talking like, you know, not that like, it's not like you're gonna be like afraid of falling asleep or something like it's really, yeah. it's, you know, if you're navigating the streets of like, I wouldn't want to drive through the streets of New York city with my in-laws, but like yeah. <laughs> if we're on the highway for a couple hours, like, you know, it, it could be worse. Uh, I think more damage will be done by you saying no. And then, <laughs> and if, then if you're actually kind of a shaky driver, cause then if you're a shaky driver, here's the thing. If you're ever in that situation again, they're never going to ask you to take a shift. So this could be a one and done for you. That that's a great point. That's a great point. Okay. And, and my second question, so I will drive if they ask me, I will drive. Um, can I at any point pop the AirPods in or do I have to just, no, 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 no AirPods. I don't think so. Time. Unless everybody's sleeping, uh, which maybe, maybe they are, but I, like, I assume you're, what, what's the, are you driving overnight? You're driving just like through the whole um, day? So my dad's dropping me off in Worcester. So they're actually from, um, Chatham, New York, which is like basically Western mass. Yeah. So my dad's driving me out to Worcester. They're picking me up in Worcester and then we're, uh, we're, we're going. So that's, I think that's at like seven or eight in the morning. So it's going to be a day trip. I think if you're sitting in the back seat, obviously it's fine. Like feel free to pop in whatever you want to pop in. If you're driving, I think, I think I assume like the, not even, it's like almost like a safety thing too. I always feel, I, maybe it's just me. I feel weird driving even like by myself with with like earbuds in. Isn't, it, isn't it technically in. illegal to do that? I don't know that, but I, I okay. mean, I get why. Yeah, so my, my, like my question, dangerous not yeah, my question was not for like when I'm driving. It's like when I'm in the car oh, and yeah, I have totally earbuds fine. in. Totally okay. fine. Yes, totally fine. If you want, hey, like I got to knock out a couple podcasts here. This is research, you know, for the pod. Like, did, you know, I, this, <laughs> there you go. Whatever, yeah, if you lead into want. that, I think you're but covered. I was going to say, there's also no way. No, really quick. There's also no way of the, the amount of what is that? Would you say it was 15 hours? However, many I think hours? I think it's like 10, 11 hours or 10, 11. There's no yeah. way you're gonna have a conversation with them for 10 straight hours. Nobody's built to do that. So there'll be time downtime where you can just pop them in. Yeah, you just can't be aggressive with like everyone's having a conversation. You're like, yeah, oh, be like checking out. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, like you, you can't do that. But basically, like, basically the 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 road trip equivalent of the guy at Christmas watching eight hours of basketball. Can't, yeah, can't exactly. Yeah, can't, yeah you, you don't want to disassociate from everybody when, it, especially because you know, I don't know. Like this is, I, I wonder if like your, you know, your 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 girlfriend's father, like, man, I don't know, maybe he's excited to chat with you about stuff, or like, you know, it's a, it could actually be a cool kind of like bonding thing. Not to be like that. I'm a dad now, guys, so this is stuff that I do about. <laughs> but um, but it could be kind of like a cool bonding situation. I don't know. Like you can't completely shut off. I would also like even if even when you have men, be aware of your surroundings. If everyone's like laughing, having a good time, like don't be the guy that just like sulks and puts his headphones in. Like don't don't be that guy. Yeah, but like there, there are going to be times when it gets quiet, and you're gonna it's gonna be fun. Cool. Yeah, and I I think I'm good on uh that. I think that was great life advice. The other question I have, I, uh, I I'll ask it. We got time? Do you got time, Sorority? I know oh, we're yeah. running a little. Yeah, okay. okay. So when we get to Virginia, I'm staying in a log cabin with her family with about 15 people and six dogs. So it's gonna be absolute chaos. I'm not a huge drinker. Her family likes to throw them back. So like, I guess the other question is just how do I handle navigating that situation where I'm going to have multiple glasses of whiskey just like put in front of my face? Um, how many of those am I able to just like refuse? Uh, it's like a four day trip, four days with them. I can't do four days of drinking whiskey 24 hours a day. I think, I mean, I've done this before. Uh, I've done it recently at a bachelor party because, like, at some point, like, you don't want to be the downer guy not taking drinks. But like, is there, are there are they going to be so like banged up where they're not going to notice if you like put a couple on the counter and don't come back to it, or like go to the <laughs> bathroom and maybe dump some out? I'm not saying maybe it's expensive whiskey and you don't want to waste it. But if we're talking like Maker's Mark or even like whatever, like, eh, you go to the bathroom, I maybe think, you dump one out. I think the out. issue is like I've never really hung out with like this many members of her family at one time. Like I've met most of them. But there are a couple of them that I haven't met, and I know they're like excited to meet me. Um, so 
I feel like I have to one I, I know one yeah. day one day I'm really gonna have to throw it back I think yeah. I think that's 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 the deal here and I would say you know I don't think anyone's gonna be mad at you if you're like hey I'm trying to sh- show some self-control here like it'd be worse <laughs> if it was the other way it's like hey like oh like our, guy, our guy's getting hammered and, like puking yeah. in the backyard like are we sure this guy's okay that's the like, way worse look. yeah it's okay that you're a little bit like reserved in this situation like you know they might not I mean again I don't think anyone's going to like be mad at you about it, but I, what I would do in that situation is I would just find ways to dump it and just kind of like play cool. And like, you're kind of you. I, so, so I always know like the line too. like, I'm pretty aware of like, all right, if I have like one more drink, like it's going to be weird for me. And I don't like that. <laughs> um, and I'm, I've like, I'm like a known Irish exiter. Like I would, it like, you know, like for example, like when I was at the bachelor party, I was talking about like first night we were there, everyone was just super psyched. And like, I didn't want to be like a downer. I just went to bed, man. I was, I knew I was at the limit. If I had one more drink, it was going to get ugly for everybody. I'm going to go to bed. It doesn't matter what time it is. I'll see you guys in the morning. We'll get breakfast. We'll get bagels. It'll be good. But like, I know that line. So too, like, if you know, like, and it sounds like, you know, you're not even coming close to like, I'm getting obliterated line. Uh, you know, I think you could just be like, Hey, like, no, I'm good. You know, this is fine. I've had a couple, like, I'm just trying to pace myself. I think that's what, just, just say you're trying to pace yourself. And they'll, yeah. they're not going to like force feed you drinks. They're not going to be like, no, like you're a loser. Like, her dad, her dad but dude, her dad bite, her dad. Actually. <laughs> but I don't think he's like actually meaning, like he's not like, hey, like drink more, like chug this bottle of whiskey. Like He's not yeah. trying to actively he, get you to bust in your balls, man. That's yeah. okay. Like, and, yeah. and honestly, if you're cool with it, then that's, I wouldn't, I really wouldn't worry about it. But I think my, my game plan would be, I would just find ways to dump it. That's what I would yeah. do. Nobody will notice. Good so advice. the little little bit of advice I got. So so like you said, you got to pick one day. Be be selective on that day. I don't know if that's going to be the first day. You just go in and it's like, all right, you kind of make a good impression, and that's maybe sometimes that first impression kind of lingers, or maybe you build it up and it's that second or third day. But I don't know. You have to kind of second decide or third day how that works. I, I think that's probably what I would yeah. more lean towards that second or third day. But in general, I mean, knowing you like I do, just slow sip. You know, be, be yeah. a little bit of a slow sipper. You got a glass of whiskey. Like, no one's expecting you to, to you know, like, if you had, like, just a bunch of Bud Lights all day or something, I don't know what her family <laughs> drinks. They're going to be like, oh, what, you have that same Bud Light from, you know, three hours ago. But you got that little glass of whiskey. It's like it's like the Jordan documentary. It just keeps, like, kind of filling itself up. Not really. Yeah. Like, how, how long have you had that whiskey? Is it a new whiskey? You know, like, <laughs> replace the ice cube every now and then so it looks new. Like, I think you can, like, you can fake it in a couple of Or be, be the poorer, too, so that way, like, everybody doesn't really suspect you. Of being yeah. a guy who's not actually drinking time, be like, oh, you, my guy wants more, and just start pouring a little bit more. <laughs> I like that. And they're like just that. assuming you're also getting more, but you're actually not. That's a perfect way to do it too. <laughs> yeah, that, that's actually pretty good advice. I might do that. Well, th- right. thank you, Trudy. You no, you gosh. are you are the king of of life advice. Thanks. Yeah, guys. man. And we Great we time. appreciate you joining us here. Hopefully, that gets you ready for. Uh, you know, do you have a date that you're going to be going back more regularly to uh, to the Rosillo podcast? Or uh, I mean, obviously, I'm not trying to rush you off your paternity leave. No, but just for those listening, but when they might be able to hear you some more. No, it's actually been really cool because, you know, I get, uh, I took a couple months off, which is awesome. Obviously it's around the holidays. I was able to do, you know, the, the world cup pause that I did, which is really awesome. Like to have something to do. Cause I think being, being fully off, is kind of crazy. Like I still watch a ton of games. Like I'm still texting Ryan with takes and like all this different stuff. Um, I went on Bill's pod to talk about the world cup as well. So like, I'm still kind of in the mix, but I will be full back, fully back the first week, I believe, of February. So I'll be back basically after NFL. I think actually, I think it's the week of the Super Bowl or maybe the week before the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. So basically, like once NBA is the main thing, I will be back. We're actually going to be doing a live show in Salt Lake City uh, as well in February at the All Star Game. So I will be back for that. Um, we're, we're, we potentially have a cool guest lined up for that that is Celtics related. I'll let you guys uh, take that where you will. Um, hoping, fingers crossed, that the Jazz help us out there. But I will be back <laughs> for that. So it should be catch me probably mid. Or early February, I should be back. So I'm, I, 
it's it's been a good break, but I am kind of itching to to get back in the mix, especially for life advice. So I appreciate yeah. you guys giving me a little taste. Absolutely. And I, I will definitely text you to remind you about the uh, play of the class for the <laughs> yeah. year belt. And I'll, I'll, I forget if I, I shared with you the, the XL I, you did. I looked at it. I yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. 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 We'll, so we'll, we'll send over sure the terms and conditions. Send the link again, of, uh, I don't know if I, <laughs> I might have got lost in time, but yeah. Shoot over we'll get again. that. We'll get that all set out to you, man. Appreciate you uh, sparing some time to come join us, man. Always a pleasure having you on here, man. And of course, we'll be happy to have you back on at a later date as well. Greg. That's going to do it for this episode here. Any any final words? And then what are we going to hear uh, on the way out? No, just thanks, Rudy. Appreciate you, man. It's always a blast hanging out with you. Um, we're going to hear some music from my band down here in Austin, Texas. This is one you've been hearing at the uh, end of the most recent pods coming out later this year. It's called Get This High from my band down here in Austin, Texas. We are called Black Sheep Optimist. Peace, everybody. Peace. Every time I get this high, I lose my mind. Much no more until I hit the floor. Every time I get this high, it's you I find. It don't take much no more until I'm at your door. You cut me to my core, baby. What can I say? You got me on the floor. You know I came to play. I know I shouldn't, but you seem to take my pain away. And every time I score, Jason Tatum fade away. I close my eyes and I'm floating your river. I call to see if you open. You know I hope you deliver. Every time you're getting close, I still be sick with the shivers. But there's nothing like that first time. I still remember the first time I saw you. You were looking so fine.